you, God, for the beauty of the cross and the fact that it represents victory and not defeat. God, that for ages it, it represented suffering. God, it's, it, it represented death to criminals. Lord, but now when we look at the cross, what do we see? We see the criminal being us. We see death of our sin. And we see the beauty of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who is our Savior. So, Lord, we praise your name for that. Lord, I just pray right now, as we look into your word, I pray that it penetrates our hearts deeply. God, we so desperately need to hear from you. There are so many things going on in our lives, in the lives of the people around us. Lord, I know of, of, of two lives that have just been impacted just recently by death of a loved one, somebody close to them. And Lord, I just pray for hearts and for minds to be put at ease right now as we look at what you have to say to us. You're the only one that can give us peace. So Lord, I pray that you do that. Lord, I also believe that there are people in this place that are called to do something greater. They're called to, 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 to go and to do something, Lord, and maybe they're held back for some reason. There's something in their life that's presenting, preventing them from being bold and, and going and doing what you called them to do. Lord, I just pray that as you speak to us today through your word, that those people would respond to you, Lord, that they would, they would listen closely to you, or they would hear what you have to say, and Lord, they wouldn't be afraid to go and to do, maybe because of, of negative things that have been said or, or doubt that is in their mind. Lord, I pray that those things would be put aside and we just go boldly for you and for your kingdom. Lord, thank you so much for this word and the testimony of Nehemiah and how it just has spoken to us and how it continues to speak through us in this series. I pray that you're glorified now as we look at your word. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. So we have been in the book of Nehemiah, and we've been there because we started this series and we were talking about building walls in Haiti and how we feel like God has called us to build some walls in Haiti. And I've gotten a million different people that have asked me, when are we going to Haiti? <laughs> uh, soon. Soon. Is that a good answer for you? Uh, my gut feeling is sometime between now and spring break or during spring break, maybe so that some of our kids that are in school can go with us on that trip. So that's where I feel like God is leading us right now. Um, that may change. It may change tomorrow. It may change by the end of this message. I don't know. But for right now, that's where I feel like God's leading us. So we started this series in Nehemiah, and we were talking about building walls and how Nehemiah was fired up about building some walls. He started out by being heartbroken because the walls are broken, and then he started to be convinced that God had called him to help rebuild the walls in Jerusalem. And, and what happened was he got some word. That he was, they, the, the, the Israelites had been exiled to Babylon. So, uh, so Nehemiah is in a place called Susa, some 800 miles away from Jerusalem. And he's there and he gets word back that the walls are torn down in Jerusalem. And this breaks his heart. Because what, it is, what that represents is the very presence of God. That was the holy city of God. That was where the temple was. And, and that represented God's favor on those people and the fact that they were obedient people to God. And, and when those walls are torn down, what did it show? It showed the fact that they were disobedient to God. They were rebellious against God. And because of that, the, the enemy was able to come in and tear down walls. And Nehemiah was just heartbroken about that because not only the walls are broken down, but what it represented about the people of God and the fact that they were, they were broken down. So what did we say? We said that that's representative of us in our life, right? That there are some holes, some empty spots in our life that need to be rebuilt because we want people to look at our lives and see that's the very presence of God. We want our lives to represent the fact that God is moving and changing and doing things in our life, and we can't have broken down walls if we're going to represent that, right? We can't have holes where the enemy can infiltrate and come in and wreak havoc on our life. 
So just like Nehemiah was upset about the walls being broken down, we too should be upset about the walls that are broken down in our own lives. So as we talk about Nehemiah, I want you to think about the walls in Jerusalem, yes. I want you to think about the walls in Haiti, yes. But I want you to think also about the walls in your own life that are broken down. The, the things that need repairing, the things that aren't exactly where they need to be. And, and we saw, man, last week it was like, it was the good times, right? Like, like it was like people are rebuilding walls, like God is great. Now we're rebuilding the gate, you know, like, it's just like, <laughs> we're like, <laughs> oh, man, that was so cheesy. I won't do that in the second service. Uh, the podcast will be from the second service today, so I'm just saying, yeah. So anyway, uh, you guys are lucky. You get the first run through, and man, it, sometimes it's really bad. But anyway, uh, so, so they're rebuilding the walls and the gates, and like, things are going good, and everybody's like, woo, yeah, this is good. We're rebuilding the walls, and... Everybody took on their, their own responsibility, like, this is my house, so I'm going to rebuild the wall behind my house, and I'm going to rebuild the wall across the street, and people working together, the wall started interconnecting. We talked about as Christians, we're supposed to do that too, that there's a thing that we do here in, in, in simple churches called small groups, and that's where we learn to have our walls interlocked together so our walls are strong, that, that we can depend on each other, we can lean into each other, and because if we're leaning into each other as Christians, we're going to be stronger Christians, and that's just the way that it is. And that's the reason we have small groups. It's not just to, to read through a book or to talk through a book or to, to eat pizza or to eat cupcakes. That's not the reason. The reason is so we can build our walls strong together and they can be interlocked and we can be stronger as a body of believers than we are individually. Because if you think about it, if everybody just built their own little wall and had their own little separation, you could just push over the wall. But because they're interlocked, they're stronger and I hope that you listen to that, and I hope that you take that message with you, that it is important for us to be a united body of Christ. And here we are. Things are going great. People are building walls, and there's stones being laid on top of stones, and the wall's coming back, and it's representing God's people being restored, and it's a great thing. It's a great moment. Well, then we come to Nehemiah chapter 4, and you're not going to believe this, when I tell you this, but as the people of God are doing the work of God, and as they're rebuilding some walls, what happens is people start to talk bad about them. Can you believe for just a second that as you start to rebuild some walls in your life to restore some things that are broken down in your relationship with Christ, in your walk with God, that somebody's going to say something negative about it? Can you believe that would happen? It seems like, man, people would be so encouraging about, man, look at what God is doing in that life. Man, that is awesome. But you're not going to believe that there are some people that will look at God doing a work in somebody's life and they will put them down as a result of that. And by the way, I'm not just talking about non-believers. Sometimes Christians will do that too. Sometimes Christians will look at the walls being built up in their life going, man, they're getting stronger and, and they're, they're being built up every day and God's doing a work in their life and then they'll start talking bad about them. And that doesn't just happen from non-believers. As a matter of fact, I think it happens more from Christians than it does from non-Christians. Or, or people that call themselves Christians, let's just say that. People that call themselves Christians, they'll, they'll be the ones that will talk bad about them or, or be naysayers. They'll be like, what you're doing, man, it's not going to last. I've tried it before, and it's not going to last. That's what, the, that's what they'll say oftentimes. So let's look at the, the, the naysayers in Nehemiah chapter 4. Let's see if this uh, represents anything maybe you endured in your life, and as you 
You, you look at your life and the walls that, that you're starting to rebuild maybe and, and some things that God's doing in your life if you ever encounter some of this. Samballot was very angry when he learned that they were rebuilding the wall. He flew into a range and mocked the Jews, saying in front of his friends and the Sumerian officers, uh, Samballot, by the way, is the uh, Sumerian governor at this point in time, so they're just like on the outside of Jerusalem, like looking in, uh, and they're not really happy about the fact that the walls are being rebuilt. So he starts to, uh, there's this term that I really don't like, it's called jeer them, and that's the opposite of cheer. Jeer is the opposite of cheer, and they're just starting to talk bad about them and poke fun at them and all this kind of stuff. So, so here's where that happens. What does this bunch of poor, feeble Jews think they're doing? Do they think they can build a wall in a single day just by offering a few sacrifices? Do they actually think they can make something from stones, from a rubbish heap? And charred ones at that? Tobiah the Ammonite, who was standing beside him, remarked, that stone wall could, would collapse if even a, a fox walked along the top of it. So people are starting to talk bad, and, and it's pretty interesting how they, they talk bad, and we'll talk about that in a second. But we have a wrong mindset in our lives sometimes. And that is that, that we believe that if we're doing the right thing, that it should be easy for us. Have you ever thought that? Like, like I'm doing something for God. Maybe I'm working on something in my life, and God's starting to... To, through faith, he's starting to help me rebuild some walls in my life. And we have this wrong mindset that this is supposed to be easy, that, 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 that it's supposed to go swimmingly because we're doing something for God. I would say the inverse is probably true. When you begin to work with God and for God and rebuilding of some things in your life or working on his kingdom, I believe things will become more difficult, not less difficult. There, there, there's two reasons for that. There's two reasons. I think, number one, that, that God doesn't call us to do easy stuff. You ever notice that? Like, if it's a God thing, usually it's more difficult. Like, I, I tell my daughter this all the time. I'm like, you know, if you're on a path and you've got the choice to take the easy road or the hard road, which one do you think God's on? I mean, like 99% of the time, which one is God on? Like, the easy road or the hard road? You know why? Because the easy road represents the flesh and the hard road represents God. And we're going to choose the flesh every single time if we're taking the easy road, right? Because that's, that's where our flesh wants to go. It wants to go towards the easy path. And, and Kayla reminded me, she said, last time you preached on Nehemiah, you said something. And uh, she wrote it down on a little note card, and she wanted me to make sure that I said it again. And it is this, that if you face opposition in something, that's more than likely the place God has called you to. Because number one, Satan is not happy about you doing things for the kingdom of God when it comes to your own life or in other people's lives. He wants to, he, he's against us, right? You got that, right? Like, well, there's an enemy of darkness and he's against light. He's not in the light. I mean, like, he's, if you continue to pursue the light, you're going to run up against the darkness. And he's going to continue to try to push you into darkness out of the light. If you find a place in your life that you're like, man, this is hard. This is difficult to do. I don't want to do this. More than likely, that's where God is. It's not the other way around. We have this mentality that it's going to be easy. God challenges us to do the hard things, and Satan is trying to push us away from those things. So it's going to be like doubly hard. 
Am I right about that? Everybody's like, like, if you're a Christian, you know what I'm talking about. You know that it's harder. And you're like, I don't want to do that. Exactly. Exactly. And here, Nehemiah, he's doing what God's called him to do. God has impressed this upon his heart. And you would think, man, you would think, well, what's going to happen, man? God's just going to shield the Samaritan governors away. Like, they're not even going to be around because he's doing a God thing. So, so Nehemiah, he's got the favor of God, so he ain't even going to endure any struggles. Is that life? Is that anybody's life? It ain't my life, I know that. The more I do for God and trying to accomplish His will in my life, the more struggles I have, the more difficult it becomes. I'm just telling you the way it is. But I don't want us to be a bunch of people that just say, you know, that was hard, so I'm just going to stay away from that. I want us to be a bunch of people look at it and say, it was hard, so we did it anyway. Because it's what God called us to do. The easy road, everybody's on that. Let's be different than that. Let's do hard things. Same thing comes to your salvation and your relationship with Jesus Christ. It's really hard to get to that place. It's really hard to get to that place of humility when you say, I need God and I can't do it myself. I, I, I don't have anything in me. I just got to trust God. I have got to have faith in God and that's the only way I can be saved. And it's real hard to get to that place. And it, it's, it's so troubling every time I see somebody walk away from Christ. It's, because it's so hard to admit that I'm in need of a Savior. That's, Kenny, that's so hard. It is hard. But it's great. And it's a God work. So here, Nehemiah, he's in front of the, the officer. I'm assuming he must be within earshot of them hearing them say this because... Um, Nehemiah recorded this. We're like reading Nehemiah's diary here, and, and Nehemiah is like recording what these guys have said, so they must have been saying it loud enough where he could hear him. Now, that, that happens a lot, right? They may not, people, as you start to rebuild walls in your life, people may not actually say it to you, but they'll say it about you loud enough where you can hear it, right? And you know exactly what I'm talking about. They'll say it just loud enough where you can hear it, and you know they're talking about you, and it tries to discourage you from doing the work that God's called you to do. And, and, and they... What does he say? What does, what does Sam Ballant say? He says, he says, those poor, weak, feeble Jews. Those poor, weak, feeble Jews. They're not strong. They're trying to do something that's difficult and hard, and they're not physically capable of doing that. <laughs> I love, I love, man, when you, I love when you look at God's word and you see what it says, like it just start, things just start to jump out at you. Do you mean for a second, Sanballat, that God has called a bunch of people that don't look like they're capable of doing something to do that very thing that they may not look like they're capable of doing? Or is that what you're saying, Sanballat, that, that, that maybe these guys that are weak and feeble and they look frail and like they look like they can't even lift a rock, they're the ones that God's called them to rebuild a whole entire wall? Yeah. Yes, yeah, a matter of fact, and, and, and that's what happens in our lives, right? People look at our lives and say, man, look how many times they've screwed up. Look how many times they've messed up in their life. There ain't no way that God's going to do a work in that life. There ain't no way that God's going to be able to accomplish anything in their life because look how messed up they are, how jacked up their whole life has been. 
You think something's going to happen now? Yeah. Yeah, right. Don't you think that that's weighing on their minds a little bit? I mean, that, that would weigh on my mind. I don't, it doesn't look like I'm capable of doing this. He's right, you know? Sam Ballard, he's kind of got a point. It doesn't look like I'm capable. It doesn't even look like, I mean, on top of me being physically able to do the work, it doesn't even look like the stones will hold up even if I am able to put them on top of each other. The, the stones are burned to a crisp. They're crumbled up, and you think God's going to take something that's broken and make something strong out of it? Are you crazy? And that's exactly what's going on here. God's doing something crazy in the life of the Israelites, in the life of Nehemiah. He's taking a bunch of weak, poor, feeble people and using them to accomplish the work of God. Using them to take the, the broken down bits and pieces of wall that look like they're, they're smashed to bits and using those to make something strong. And that's exactly what happens in our life when we submit to the will of God. We say, I don't care what people are saying about me. And the other guy goes, man, even if a fox runs across the top of the wall, it's going to crumble. Something so weak as, and, 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 and light as a fox, if it just runs across it, it's going to be destroyed. And that's what people do in our lives, right? That's what the naysayers do in our life. Even if you build it back, even if you repair all the broken down pieces in your life, it's not going to take, take much for it to crumble again. It ain't gonna take, it's just gonna, I mean, it's just going to be one little thing, and it'll be back to the way that it was. Isn't that what they say? All it's going to take is one little trial, and you watch his life, you watch her life. They'll be back in shambles just like they were six months ago constantly trying to plant this seed of doubt in our mind. That's what the enemy wants to do. His whole purpose is to, to plant doubt in your mind. He even tried this with Jesus when he tempted him. When, when Jesus was in the wilderness, he, he tried to plant doubt in Jesus' mind about God and who God was. So if you think if, he wouldn't do, if he'll do that with Jesus, don't you think he'll do it with you? Don't you think you'll try to plant seeds of doubt in your mind? When God's called you to do something miraculous that only God can do if we submit to Him and His will? Don't you think that Satan's going to plant seeds of doubt in your mind? Especially when you walk out those doors in about 45 minutes? In here, we kind of feel safe, and we're, we're listening to the Word of God, and we're tuned into what God is saying. And we're singing praises to God, and we listen closely to God. And then we walk out there, and Satan starts to bombard us, our minds with these ideas that, man, that was just a one-time thing. That's just something you felt while you're inside that room, and it ain't real. It ain't real. It ain't, it ain't something that's going to last. It's just a little something that you just felt because you got emotional. That's what Satan will say to you. You don't believe me. All you got to do is go out those doors. In about an hour, you'll, you'll, have, you'll have Satan right here in your ear saying all those things. That was just, that was just a, one little emotional response. That's all that was. You'll have friends, family, coworkers. Yes, you can have family that will be naysayers in your life about what God is doing in your life. So, sometimes it's the person closest to you. I mean, it'd be like, man, 
you're overthinking this. This ain't really God. You try to do that, you know what's going to happen is you're going to fail and you're going to feel worse as a result of it. You mean there could be naysayers in my family? Yeah. Certainly could be. Certainly could be. Here these naysayers are from the kingdoms around around Jerusalem. They're, 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 they're from around Israel and they're looking down at the Israelites and, and they got something invested in the Israelites not being able to be strong again. So here they come in, they just start talking bad about them. Well, look what Nehemiah does. <laughs> Let me it'll give you a little bit of advice. When you got people that are talking bad about what God's doing in your life and you're really trying to find God and do what God's called you to do, do what Nehemiah did. It says, then I prayed. Like, what am I supposed to do, Kenny, when, uh, when people start talking bad about me and they, they say that they start planting seeds of doubt in my mind about what God's called me to do? What, what am I supposed to do? Well, let's see. Then I prayed. Well, what am I supposed to do when it seems like the whole world's against me and God's called me to do something that really don't make a whole lot of sense and, and I'm, not, I'm even a little unsure of myself? Then I prayed. Then I prayed. That's a good example to follow. I really think it's, it's a good way to go, y'all. That's what's good about this word. It really gives us some good examples in here. That's why it's good to read it, because it's, it's really good. Then I prayed, hear us, our God, for we are, we are being mocked. May their scoffing fall back on their own heads, and may they, they themselves become captives in a foreign land. Do not ignore their guilt. Do not blot out their sins, for they have provoked you to anger here in front of the builders. So, Nehemiah goes to the Lord, and he prays. He says, God, I know who they are. They knew who they are. God, you know who they are. God, just don't let the builders be discouraged. Don't let the builders stop working on the wall, because I believe this is what you've called us to. You know what I like about the Bible? Sometimes I like what it says, but sometimes I like what it doesn't say. It do, what, I mean, imagine if the testimony of Nehemiah was this. I'm play devil's advocate here, no pun intended. But like, imagine if it said this. So what happened was, all the builders got discouraged. They went home. They ate a slice of Papa John's pizza and they laid down and take, took a nap. Like, imagine if that's what it said, and Nehemiah ended, and, and halfway through chapter 4 said, well, that was it. Some, some people were called to do this thing of God. Some people said some bad stuff about him and scared him a little bit, and that was it. The end. Nehemiah, over and done. That ain't what it says. That ain't the testimony of Nehemiah or the people of Israel. I don't want it to be the testimony of my life where well, I ran into some, some people that said some bad stuff about me and, and I said, yeah, that's probably true and just lay down and said, enough's enough of this whole Jesus thing. I'm kind of tired of doing this. That's not the testimony of Nehemiah or the people of Israel at this point in time. Because look what it says in chapter 6 or in verse 6 of chapter 4. It says, at last the wall was completed to half its height around the entire city for the people had worked with enthusiasm. 
I like that testimony better. Don't you? I like the way that the Israelites did it. And Nehemiah did it. I like that way a whole lot better than just saying, ah, they quit. Ah, they quit. That's how I want to be known. That's how I want to be known. When people look at my life 20, 30, 40, 50 years from now, I hope they look and say, man, it was hard. Man, it was so hard. It was so difficult, but he did it anyway. He didn't stop. He didn't quit because it got hard. He did it anyway. Don't you want to be known like that? Don't you want to be the people of God that's known as the people that when it got hard, they didn't just stop. They kept going because they knew it was a God thing. And it didn't matter what anybody said against, uh, about them. They just kept doing it anyway. That's how I want my life to be recorded. And hopefully, one of, the, one of these days, one of you young adults, man, God will call you to do something crazy. And you'll look at the testimony of some of the people in this place. You'll go, man, it was hard and it was crazy and it didn't make a lot of sense. And they did it anyway. And I believe that's what happened in Israel. People looked back at this in history and said, you know what? People were threatening them, getting up in their face, and they did it anyway. They did it anyway. But when Sambalat and Tobiah and the Arabs, Ammonites and Ashtonites, heard that the work was going ahead and that the gaps in the wall of Jerusalem were being repaired, they were furious. They all made plans to come and fight against Jerusalem and throw us into confusion. But we prayed to our God and guarded the city day and night to protect ourselves. Then the people of Judah began to complain. The workers are getting tired and there's so much rubble to be moved. Will we ever be able to build the wall by ourselves? So they begin to like make plans to attack. So now the Israelites have to be on guard and they have to be ready. And, and, and now they're starting to plant seeds of doubt in their own minds. Man, can we even do this work by ourselves? Meanwhile, our enemies were saying, before they know what's happening, we will swoop down on them and kill them and end their work. The Jews who lived near the enemy came and told us again, they will come from all directions and attack us. So I placed armed guards behind the lowest parts of the wall in the exposed areas. I stationed the people to stand guard by families, armed with swords, spears, and bows. Then I looked, then as I Looked over the situation. I called together the nobles and the rest of the people and said to them, Don't be afraid of the enemy. Remember the Lord. These people are not just, not just talking bad about them now. Now they're, they're making threats on their life. Did that discourage them a little bit? Yes, it did. Did it make them fearful? I believe it did. Did it make them have some doubt? Yes, it looks like it did. But you know what they continued to do? They said, fine, we'll put up guards and we'll continue to work. We're not going to stop the work because we're afraid. The same thing in your life. Even when you're being threatened, not only just naysayers, I'm talking about when you're being threatened for doing the things of God. Place some guards around in your life. Build the wall at night if you have to. Spend the day protecting yourself and then at night rebuild the wall. Do whatever it takes, but don't stop the work. And he even tells the, the officers, the nobles, he says, he says, don't be afraid of the enemy. 
Remember the Lord who is great and glorious and fought for your brothers and your sons and your daughters and your wives and your homes. This is what he says. This is what he says. You know whose fight it is? It's the Lord's. It's the Lord's fight. You keep building the wall and he'll fight for you. You keep up the work. You keep doing what God's called you to do. And you give the fighting up to the Lord. Because the Lord's going to fight for you. When our enemies heard that we knew of their plans and that God had frustrated them, we all turned to work on the wall. (laughs) They returned to our work on the wall. We began to rebuild the wall again. But from then on, only half the men worked while the other half stood guard with spears and shields and bows and coats of mail. The leaders stationed themselves behind the people of Judah who were building the walls. The laborers carried out the work with one hand, supporting their their load with one hand and holding a weapon. All the builders had a sword belted to their side. The trumpeter stayed with me to sound the alarm. Then I explained to the nobles and the officials and all the people, the work is very spread out, and we are widely separated from each other along the wall. When you hear the blast of the trumpet, come rush to wherever it is sounding. Then our God will fight for us. We worked early and late from sunrise to sunset, and half the men were always on guard. I also told everyone living outside the walls to stay in Jerusalem, and that way, they and their servants could help guard, duty at, help guard duty at night and work during the day. During this time, none of us, not I, nor my relatives, nor servants, nor guards who were with me, ever took off our clothes. We carried our weapons with us all the time, even when we went for water. Here's what it says. They had a trial in one hand and a sword in the other. And they said, I dare you, I dare you to come against this work of God. Because we ain't going to stop. If that means we have to die on this wall, this is where we'll die. And you remember how I was talking about how they built their wall together and they interlocked and that's how we're supposed to build our walls. Look at what else they had. They had trumpeters close by. Now, anytime you see a trumpet in the Word of God, I want you to know this. I want you to know what it represents. Everybody knows about the the trumpet when Christ returns, right? Everybody knows about that trumpet. There's several times throughout God's Word where there's a trumpet call. I want you to know what it represents. It always represents a calling together of God's people. That's what it represents. Every single time you look at it, that's exactly what you see. It is the calling together of God's people. And here, what does it say? Nehemiah says, look, y'all, we're spread thin across the wall. We're spread out. So when you hear the trumpet, you come to wherever the trumpet is. You assemble where the trumpet is sounding. Because we got to all fight together. We got to all fight together. Listen, people, we have all got to fight together. We got to assemble ourselves and be ready to go and say, you know what? I'm not the only one rebuilding a wall in this place. There's others rebuilding walls. There's others with broken down pieces. 
And we got to defend this, this work that God has called us to, and we can't sit idly by, and we can't stop. I'm telling you, when it comes to our own lives, we got to do the same thing. As we see holes in, in, our, in our own lives, as we see holes in our relationships with other people within the church, as we see holes in the walls in Haiti, we got to come together and we be willing to defend our, our understanding of what God has called us to do. That we're not just doing this alone. That we're going to face enemies that are going to try to attack us on every side. And we're going to face people that are going to try to be naysayers and try to, try, to, try, try to put us down for what we're doing and tell us that we're not strong enough or we're not able. We need to recognize that, that the work is God's work. And the fight is God's fight. And we're surrendering to his will in our life. Even when it's difficult, even when it, it feels like the enemy is attacking us on all sides, we still got to continue the work. And I love what Nehemiah says right here. At the very end of the chapter, chapter 4, this is what he says. He says, I didn't even lay down at night and take off my clothes. I was always ready. I was either ready to go fight or ready to go build, but I was always ready. And the people in my house, we were always ready. Y'all, we, we need to always be ready. When God calls us to do something in our life, we don't need to just sit idly by. We need to be prepared, whether it's to go and build the wall or go and fight. We always need to be prepared. We don't need to let our guard down and think, well, not today or not tomorrow. It's not going to happen. We need to be always ready to go fight. We need to be always ready to go and build and do the Lord's will in our life. We don't ever need to let our guard down. You know, I can't help but to think about this. When I, when I read this in Nehemiah, I, this, this thought keeps going over and over in my head. You know that God sent his one and only son to this earth for all of us. And we, we know that and we talk about it a lot in here. But I want you to think about the attack that Jesus had on him. That, that was put on Jesus himself. Verbally, how he was abused by the people that he was sent to die for. How he was denied. How he was rebuked. How he was put down. How nobody believed that he was the son of God. All of those things. And then finally at the end, they beat him to the point where you couldn't recognize him. Let me tell you something that... The biggest thing that, 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 that was on Jesus' mind was the very will of God and the fact from the, from the very beginning of his life he was destined to be, to be killed for each and every one of us, that that was the purpose of his life from the very beginning. So if, if that was what was on Jesus' mind, shouldn't that be what's on our mind? Is the, the will of God, the very will of God, whatever God's called us to, it shouldn't be a distraction when people say things about us. When people persecute us, don't you think that it should, it should move us and motivate us to do the will of God and not hold us back? Because that's what Jesus did for us, and he's the ultimate example. I know. You, you remember what I said at the beginning of the message, right? 
that it'll be, it'll be easy to ignore what God has said to you because you'll get distracted? I said, I said, in just a few minutes, what's going to happen is you'll be distracted and you'll think, well, that wasn't really God. And your mind will go somewhere else. And you, you won't be thinking about what God has said to you. You'll be thinking about something else. Didn't it just happen? Didn't it just happen? As the sermon's coming to a close, as the end is coming near, you get distracted like that. And all, the, all that God has said just went in one ear and out the other. And you're like, what were we talking about again? How many times that happened in your life? How many times that happened to you on a Sunday afternoon? How many times does that happen? My question to you is this. Is it, will you let yourself be distracted? Will you let your mind be taken away from what God was telling you? Or will you say, in spite of everything else, I'm going to build the wall. I'm going to continue to build the wall that God has called me to build. Not let anything going to take me off the wall. No words or no actions from anybody else is going to distract me from what God has called me to do. Will that be your testimony? Or will your testimony be one that says, it got too hard. It got too hard. So I quit. I was distracted, so I ignored what God said. Which will be your testimony? Which was the testimony of Jesus? Did he quit when it got too hard? Or did you say, obedience to the Father is what matters? That's what he did for us. Let me pray. Father, thank you, God, for this word. Lord, thank you for driving home the point of how easily we are distracted, how easily your word can be taken, Lord, and just ignored so quickly. I know that you're a sovereign God and you plan every single second of every single day. You don't exist in the space and time that we can wrap our minds around. So, Lord, I know that every single thing is in your control. I have no doubts about that. Lord, I just pray that people have heard your word and they've heard it clearly and they haven't been distracted and they've been closely focused on you. And God, this word would penetrate their souls like only your word can. Lord, you're great and you're glorious and you're mighty. And Lord, I just pray that right now people would respond to you. Whatever it is you've called them to, whatever struggle they may have in their life, whatever place their wall may have been torn down, I pray that they wouldn't look at, look at the difficulty as you standing against them, Lord, but they would look at the difficulty as you standing with them. Lord, we're always going to choose the easy road. I pray that we wouldn't do that. I pray that we would be obedient to you and we choose the difficult road. I believe, Lord, that so many times, so many times in our life, Lord, the difficult road is where you're standing. So may we meet you there on the hard road. May we be obedient to you in the difficult times as the people talk bad about us, as they threaten our lives. God, may we stand strong and may we build the wall. Help us to be that kind of people with that kind of testimony. And you receive glory from everything. God, we love you. Help us to have the faith to respond to you and be strong in our, our response to you. The building is your work and the fight is your fight. Maybe people need to give that to you today, Lord Jesus. Maybe they need to surrender all to you. Whatever the case may be, may we respond in obedience to you and your calling. In Jesus' name, amen.